welcome back to the Animal Friendly Podcast. Happy New Year. It's January again, that time of the year when we can think about new beginnings and fresh starts. And that's what Veganuary is all about. If you haven't heard of it, or if you have and you don't know what it is, Veganuary is an organisation that helps people to try the vegan lifestyle for the month of January. The first Veganuary campaign was in 2014, and about 3,000 people took part in that. Last year, more than half a million people signed up for it. So the word Veganuary is now in the Cambridge Dictionary. That's how big it is. Whether you want to be nicer to animals or save the human race from extinction, plant-based is the way to go, which is why Veganuary is becoming more important and more popular every year. To join in with Veganuary, all you do is sign up with an email and you'll get their celebrity cookbook, meal plans, nutritional advice, recipes and loads of other information. The mainstream media sometimes likes to portray vegans as angry, militant perfectionists. And of course there are some of those. But the more you participate in the vegan lifestyle, the more you find it's mostly populated by friendly, funny, smart, fallible and kind people. So, for this episode, I thought it might be interesting to hear how five well-known and influential vegans made their transition to a vegan lifestyle because it's not always smooth sailing. First up is Damien Mander, the founder of the International Anti-Poaching Foundation, which works in Africa to train local people to become wildlife rangers, who then protect over 20 million acres of African wilderness. The IAPF is the home of the Akashinga, the teams of all-female vegan rangers. Other initiatives include the Lead Ranger Programme and the Conservation Landscape Alliance. In 2019, Mander was awarded the Winsome Constance Kindness Gold Medal, an international recognition for services to animals and humanity. Here he is, in a clip from Seb Alex's podcast, talking about his gradual and initially quite reluctant transition to veganism. Since beginning the organisation, there were a number of opportunities that I had to make the connection between wild animals and domestic animals and, and continuously chose to ignore those connections and in some cases, you know, fairly aggressively because it, it didn't suit my conveniences. And so for me, for me it was a uh, evolution is, is the cutting away of the bits that, that don't work, the retention of the bits that do and, 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 and evolution has no predetermined path. But as a human, I was, I was being forced to evolve by questioning my own practices and not only questioning my own practices myself but having them questioned by other people and essentially I was traveling around the world getting up on stage and telling people how important conservation is protecting the environment and looking after animals but I was going home and, and not only being a part of but investing in an industry with the money that I would spend on meat investing in an industry that was responsible for the greatest degradation of wild land on this planet being the meat industry and and the greatest cause of animal suffering and death again, the meat industry. So it just didn't make sense to carry on being a hypocrite. And I could no longer suppress the truth. And that, that is the beautiful thing about the truth. It's accumulative. Uh, and eventually, you can't really deny. If you do enough research and willing to, to be open to the facts that are out there, it becomes really hard to deny that. And then essentially to, yeah, at least from my own sense, carry on with a clear conscience. Uh, I mean, I can, I can bullshit other people, but I can't bullshit myself. And I suppose that's, yeah, that's one of the, one of the, one of the things that 
you know, when I speak to other vegans and people in our movement, I tell them, keep having your conversations, keep getting better at them because someone like me, it may take years to come around and come to realize the truth. Some people may change overnight, but as I said, that, that truth is accumulative and it may feel like you're talking to a brick wall, but eventually, eventually the shutters will come up and when they do, they'll never go down again. Those are wise words for any vegan advocates out there. Keep having those conversations. Molly Elwood mightn't be a familiar name, but among vegans she is regarded with immense admiration and affection because she came up with the completely original and brilliant idea of Elwood's dog meat farm. This is an imaginary farm, and I really want to stress that it's imaginary, where they sell organic and free-range dog meat. Molly manages the website and the social media accounts where you can read about Labrador steaks, pug bacon, sea spaniel and Pomeranian eggs. It's all free range and organic, so don't worry, the dogs have the best possible life before they're harvested for their meat. The idea is to give people a different perspective on the meat that they take for granted. To ask, why are you outraged at the thought of this happening to dogs, while you're quite happy to eat cows, pigs and chickens? Here's Molly talking to Wes and Matthew on the How I Vegan podcast. So let's take it back a bit. So how did you, like, did, how long have you been vegan? What, and what made, what made you, like, change or whatever? Yeah, so um, I've been vegan six and a half years now. Um, pesca- I was started out um, just as a regular meat-eating person. And about 2011, I met my now husband, and he was a, uh, a lapsed pescatarian. And um, I... Uh, I met his family and his family was still pescatarian and I started thinking kind of just more about animals and was like, you know, I, I don't want to hurt them. So if I, if his family has survived so long without eating meat, I could probably be a pescatarian. So I was a pescatarian for a while. And then I read eating animals and, um, learned about how the impact of fish and fishing. And so I was like, I'm going to go vegetarian. So that's what I'm going to do. And, uh, and then, the veganism was just a, uh, one late, one late night I was on Twitter and I saw, um, I think it's probably mercy for animals video of somebody sorting chicks into a garbage can. And I was like, what am I looking at? So I had to Google that. And, uh, I was like, this has just gotta be some other country, right? This is not here in the U S and to find out what happened to the male chicks was shocking. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, I was like, wait a minute, why are we, why don't vegans eat dairy? And it was so stupid to be like a 35 year old woman to just be like, oh, mammals, milk, babies. (laughs) How did I miss that? They're not these magical creatures who just make milk. So, uh, yeah, it's funny because I was on a work trip and I texted my husband who had been very nice. He's just gone with me on the journey. He's like, sure, you want to go vegetarian? And he cooks for me. So I'm just just grateful being like, can you, can we, uh, so I was like, can we go, ve- can, I was like, can I go vegan? Can we go vegan? And I expected him to say no, and that would be it. And I'd just be like, that's too hard, and we're going to die. So, uh, but he was a really good sport about it and was like, sure, I mean, let's try it for a month. And so we tried it, and stupidly easy. Like, we were like, I guess we're vegan now, so. So uh, since you've been vegan, then how have things changed for you? Uh, let's see. Uh, I think I mentioned earlier, like, it definitely made me a lot more confident 
and, uh, you know, willing to speak up about things that I, I don't find right. And I'm much more focused before. I, I mean, I, I have my degree in writing and I write for a living and I kept being like, I'm going to be a novelist. That's what I'm going to do. And I just couldn't find, you know, the, I couldn't find the thing I wanted to write about. And I was like, it's, it's going to come to me. And this is just, it's so, I think veganism is so interesting because it connects so many things, so many things I'm interested in and, you know, environmentalism and animals and people and food. And so this has made, it's made the world much more exciting finding out where all the intersections between all of these things and then meeting all the people too. Like you're, I'm meeting so many amazing people. I've made so many new friends um, through activism and, you know, just on, even online. Um, so, and, uh, I think just also being willing to try new things. I mean, we, you have to try new things if you're vegan. So it's, that's really exciting to just be like, oh, I'm not stuck in the, uh, who, who I was, you know, you're not a stale person at 25 and being like, this is who I am and what I believe you're like, I'm open. Let's talk about things. So, yeah. I would encourage you to check out Molly's website, elwooddogmeat.com and spend some time going through the farm and livestock descriptions, which are dogs in this case, because it's kind of fun to have your worldview shaken up a bit by seeing things in a different light. Okay, next on the list is another phenomenon in the vegan world. Pinky Cole is the founder of the Slutty Vegan Restaurant and the author of Eat Plants, Bitch. She's an extraordinary businesswoman and philanthropist. The Pinky Cole Foundation has supported so many different initiatives and has helped to build and inspire communities. Slotty Vegan is a million dollar brand and Cole has no intention of stopping there. Here she is talking to Alicia Silverstone about how veganism changed her life. The reason you want them to touch and taste this vegan food is what? Because you want them to be healthier? So, so it's not even just about health, right? So like whether you want to be healthier, whether you want to do it for the ecosystem, for the animals, whatever your reason is, has nothing to do with me, right? But speaking for myself, going vegan was the best decision that I've ever made in my life, right? It gave me a level of mental clarity that was unmatched. Um, it allowed me to use and see with my third eye, right? And I live and breathe healthier. I'm conscious about the things that I consume. And if I can get more people to think that way, then I'm moving in the right direction. So I grew up as a vegetarian, right? So in 2007, when I decided to ditch meat, it was really an easy transition because I grew up this way. My mother's a Rastafarian. I grew up eating Ito Jamaican food. So to be able to teach young people, especially especially with all the things that they're putting in the food right now, they're like, there's another way. If I can do that and do it in the way where I'm infusing it into pop culture, where I'm making it just as cool as Nike and Jordan and Air Force Ones and all of those things, if I can make it just as cool in the culture as everything else, then I know that we can start to change the conversation on how we see and consume food. Um, what about the fact that people always say being vegan is so expensive? I hear it all the, every day. That is bullshit. Hopefully I can I know. <laughs> it's such bullshit. Let me tell you something. When I go to the grocery store, the first place I'm going is into the produce aisle, right? That's my favorite place in the grocery store. And when I tell you, if you are strategic, you can literally spend $20 and fill up, 
right? You can get your cabbage, you can get your greens, you can get your fruits, you can get your vegetables. It is not hard. I tell people this all the time. Being vegan and being plant-based is really about your mindset. Like it starts here. Just like you wake up and brush your teeth, you wake up and make a conscious decision to eat vegan, right? And it doesn't have to cost money. Like you can get creative. The most beautiful piece of like being a part of this lifestyle is that like I can go in a kitchen and make up something new, totally different every single day and like whip up something together and let my friends try it and they love it. Like you don't have to limit yourself just because you put the word vegan in front of it. And I think sometimes people get so caught up in the word and the political correctness of it that it takes away from them really indulging in what the lifestyle really means and how they can really be impacted by it. But it's not expensive at all. I save a lot of money being vegan, actually. And because I like being alkaline vegan, right? I love kale. I love mushrooms. So those things are cheap. Like you can make you can make a, a mushroom meatloaf taste like a real meatloaf if you use the right flavors and there's recipe books everywhere. And if you apply yourself, you can do it for a low cost. And now we come to two old school vegans and animal advocates. There are some movie lines that just go down in history. They're used in memes, they're quoted, they come up in pub quizzes. Everybody knows them. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. You can't handle the truth! To infinity and beyond! There is no place like home. The first rule of Fight Club is, you do not talk about Fight Club. I'll be back. If we think about James Cromwell, there's usually one immortal line that springs to mind. From the movie Babe. Well, you know it. single human in the stands or in the commentary boxes was at a complete loss for words. The man who in his life had uttered fewer words than any of them knew exactly what to say. The little pig. Cromwell went vegan during the filming of Babe, but he had been vegetarian long before that. Let me ask you about uh, your pathway. Uh, I, I know you were a vegetarian and then you shifted to being an ethical vegan, and I think some people might be confused by uh, the difference between the two. Can you describe for us what the difference is? Well, it's a process. Uh, I first became a vegetarian because I came across the country on my motorcycle and went through the stockyards in Texas. Uh, where all those animals are pinned, uh, standing in their own excrement uh, and wait, awaiting death. And it seemed to go on for the entire day, as far as you could see on the other side of the road. And I said to myself, I, I, I can't be part of this. And I began the process of eliminating um, animal products from my diet. And, of course, you run into all the things... Uh, in your mind, I can't do without this, I can't, I have to have this, what happens to my protein, nothing's available, I'm tired of eating salad, all the excuses that you give yourself. And slowly, slowly, you work through this process. I made myself sick at one point, mainly because of my judgment about people who were still eating animal products. I had to let that go. Um, so I had basically come to terms with you know, eating eggs every once in a while and fish, not knowing that those two things were probably the worst. 
uh, and then went to Australia to do this film with these extraordinary animals. And every day at midday, whenever lunch was, I'd go and on the table uh, would be every animal that I had just worked with being served for lunch. So uh, uh, I, I thought, you know, I've come this far. I might as well, as I like to say, go the whole hog. Um, just, uh, you know, carry it on. And then what's the reason? Am I doing this because it makes me feel better? Because frank, frankly, I, I don't know the difference. I've forgotten what I felt like when I ate. I don't get sick as much as I did when I ate meat. But I realized that if we are to have a planet, if we're to live on this planet, and if we're to live on this planet peacefully and take responsibility for it, uh, we have to have, we have to stop animal agriculture. We, we simply cannot slaughter billions of animals every year uh, with the um, cruelty and the suffering and the waste involved in that and its effect on the planet and on our psyches and continue to live on this planet. Cromwell is a tireless advocate for animals, working with PETA and attending protests and speaking out wherever he can. If you want to know about vegan energy, just look at him. And so we come to Alicia Silverstone, vegan for over 20 years. Along with her acting career, Silverstone is the author of The Kind Diet and The Kind Mama, which you can learn more about on her website, The Kind Life. Here she is talking on the plant-based news podcast about being vegetarian and then making the logical step to veganism. It really started when I was in England with my mom and my family. You know, we heard these animals crying I heard, we were in the country and I heard crying and crying. And I think I asked the farmers, what is this sound? Or someone, you know, walking by in the countryside of England. And I remember being told by my mom and them that it was the babies being taken away from their mothers. I, you know, when you're eight years old, at that point, you just think that animals, you don't know that animals are food. You, you just think of them as your friends. And so this was a horrifying concept. And then as we were flying home on the plane, my brother and I were sitting next to each other and we were eating pork chops. I think it was either pork chops or lamb, one or the other. No, it was lamb. It was lamb because then he started making the sounds of the lamb to torment me as brothers do. And this really sealed the deal. Like I had no idea that lamb was lamb, you know, or that chicken was chicken. I don't think any kids think about it like that. And so I just, I declared I was going vegetarian, but I had no one in my life who was vegetarian. I had no information about how to be vegetarian. And I was eight years old for God's sakes. So my idea of being vegetarian at the time was sort of, I'll just eat ice cream and French fries and, you know, potatoes and call it a day. That didn't last for long. So I, I, from eight to about 21, I call myself what a, a flirt because I knew that intuitive, I knew I didn't want to hurt animals, but I wasn't equipped yet to know how to do this. And I was selfish. I kept giving in to the yummy looking steak in front of me or whatever it was that was in front of me. I would just go because I loved the taste of all of that. I grew up on all of it. So it wasn't until I rescued this dog, Samson, who was my, basically my boyfriend. I mean, we slept together. We made out basically. And, you know, he slept in my bed and I loved this dog so much. I mean, I grieved his loss for six months after he passed. But anyway, he was my buddy. And so it occurred to me when I was rubbing his legs that 
why wouldn't my leg taste just as good as his leg? Or why wouldn't his leg take just as good as the pig's leg? And sort of, I started to put together, why are we making one animal our boyfriend and the other animal, you know, I finally saw a documentary and I went to animal rights conference 2000. I think I was already vegan by the time I went there. But prior to that, I saw a documentary that just blew my mind. And it just started to make me get that, you know, and the, and the final thing was I had a meeting with PETA because I was an animal activist since I was a little girl. I was trying to stop people, my boyfriend from stepping on beetles at school, or I was trying to rescue dogs with my mom on the street and running on freeways, very unsafe. We would run on the freeway to try and stop these, to help these animals. So I had all that in my, in my bones and because of my mom, my mom loved animals so much. But what I didn't understand was the food connection. And so finally, I was at a meeting with PETA. I think I was 21 years old. And I was talking to them about all the different campaigns that we were working on, anti-dissection and, you know, say no, you know, animal animal testing and things like that. And no fur. And I was working on all these campaigns with them, but I was still eating animals. I had steaks in my refrigerator at this time. When I sat with them, I was that animal lover who ate animals, you know, all those people. But ultimately that meeting, I went home and I just realized in the car that I was a hypocrite. A really big hypocrite. I loved animals. I wanted them to fix everything, and I wasn't willing to do the work myself. And it was because of temptation, usually. I'd say I was vegetarian, and then I would see my friend eating something. I'd be like, can I have a bite? So anyway, that day I made the choice. I just said, I can't do this. I can't look at myself in the mirror anymore and say, you're an animal lover, and you're a kind person, and can keep contributing to the suffering. Going from there, obviously, you made these changes. I'd love to hear a bit about, do you remember like how things changed for you physically when you moved to become vegan? Because I assume before you were eating cheese and dairy and yogurt and things like that. Did you notice any changes in yourself in the beginning? Massive. I remember it was about three weeks in that people started to comment that I seemed like I was glowing. That was quite nice. <laughs> I was like, what? But I also remember how I felt. I felt like I was walking taller because I was standing in my truth and I felt that I had released a lot of gunk. I mean, there was a lot more gunk to get out later, but I had released a lot of gunk at that point. So I felt this sort of lighter feeling. I was walking through the world in a lighter state. Standing in my truth felt very powerful as a female, or I suppose anyone. We all struggle with self-worth and being kind to ourselves. And I didn't have a lot of any of that stuff. So when I made that choice, I felt a sort of sense of security. I'm standing for myself. I'm standing in my beliefs. This is powerful. I'm saying no. I'm not doing this. This is not going to happen anymore. And it just, it, it really helped me to grow into myself. And then I also, you know, I was on an asthma inhaler all every day and I had allergy shots twice a week. All of that went away. I stopped taking antibiotics. I used to take antibiotics about twice a year because I'd get bronchitis all the time. And I had cystic acne and I was getting a little bit chubbier at that time. And people were saying mean things to me about me in the press. So all of those things just shifted. The whites of my eyes got really white. I slimmed up. My acne went away. My nails got so strong, I couldn't bend them. My eyes got white. My hair was so strong and thick and everything changed. So there you have it. Five vegans who each made their own imperfect rocky starts, but got there in the end. If you're toying with the idea of veganism, there are so many great resources out there to help you along. I put links to all of these interviews in the show notes. These are all podcasts that I really enjoy myself, so I wholeheartedly recommend them. I've also put a link to the Veganuary website, 
But remember, veganism is not just for January. It's an idea that you can explore at any time of the year. For now, here's to a great 2023. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.